Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. Hello, everyone. This is Casey Stubbs with the How to Trade It podcast. We have a new episode today. Today, we're going to be talking with Jerry Allison from Traders Accounting, and he's going to talk to us about how traders do taxes. Uh, Thanks, Jerry. Uh, thank you, Casey, for having us on. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Um, taxation for traders is actually a very gray area, and it takes a lot of effort to figure out how to do it and what to do. So I'm, I'm excited to be here to share a lot of information with your listeners. Excellent. Well, thank you. So uh, the first thing I want to share, to ask is um, what type of... Um, things do traders need to do differently on their taxes than someone else? Well, it depends a lot about what you're trading. Um, there's several different things that can be traded. Obviously, there's Forex. Cryptocurrency has become big. Uh, futures and commodities, uh, stocks and options, which is the old traditional uh, items. And of course, bonds. We don't deal a whole lot with bonds because most single investors don't deal with those. Um, and it depends on how what you're trading as to how the taxation system works. Um, with uh, stocks and options, you have capital gains, but you also have the potential for wash sales and loss limitations. Uh, with futures and commodities, that's taxed completely differently. Um, even if you uh, day trade the futures and commodities, you still have, at the end of the year, 60% of whatever you make is considered a long-term capital gain, and 40% that short-term. Uh, cryptocurrency, that's an, another animal. And then Forex, that's probably the simplest of all, and that just goes right on a tax return as a plus or minus, and really no special uh, involvement there, no, no special uh, work to be done. So then, so let's go to talk about Forex first, since that's the easiest. You say there's no special work. So you just basically add that on a line as extra revenue, and that's all you do. It yeah, it's considered, other, it's considered other end to come under Section 988, and it just goes on as a plus or minus, depending on whether you made money or lose money. And it just increases your income or decreases your income. It's really that simple. And so it's simple to do, but it's not good uh, for the end user as far as there's no special tax breaks, right? You get That is correct. Uh, it just goes in as ordinary income, and it looks like your W-2 wages or 1099 uh, pension income. Okay. And then, of course, someone that is trading in the Forex could deduct expenses, like if they have trading computers or anything like that, correct? Yes. Now, there are some special circumstances that the IRS has set up for deducting expenses. Um, there's what's called trader tax status. Some people call it trader status. Um, this is mentioned in Publication 550 of, of the IRS. Now, the qualifications in that publication are very general, um, but 
Uh, we have to go to court cases. And generally what we have found, and this is really true, not just with Forex, but with any trading. If you want to deduct expenses, then you should be making trade 700 trades per year. Uh, you should be doing research uh, four to six hours a day. Uh, of course, that includes trading research. It also includes any education classes you might want. And then also you should be trading at least 75% of the trading days per year. The gist of this is the IRS wants you to treat this as a trading business like you would any other business. You need to spend a significant amount of time with it. You can't take long periods of time off for vacation. You need to really put yourself into it. So going back to Forex, yes, you would record the income as other income, and then you would deduct your expenses if you meet the criteria on the Schedule C of your tax return. Okay, so you have to set up yourself as trader tax status, and how do you get that status? Do you have to apply for it? Ironically, this is one of the funny things with the IRS. Some people think you do have to apply for it, but that's not the case. It's if you meet the qualifications, then you just go ahead and write off your expenses on a Schedule C as an individual investor. Okay. And then uh, if I if I feel like I've got trader status and I want to go ahead and add that and declare myself as trader status on Schedule C, would it benefit me to then just actually open a trading business? Um, it can't. Uh, now, let me give you the pros and the cons of that, uh, because we're not talking about LLCs here yet or other entities. We're talking about as individual traders. If you have a lot of expenses that you're incurring, such as you mentioned, the, the computer, office supplies, furniture, if you have a uh, lot of expenses in education or seminars, data feeds is a big one, or uh, subscription services. There's several things out there that if a person has a lot of those, it would benefit them probably to deduct those on their tax return. Um, we're usually talking several thousand dollars in expenses, which can result in several hundred to a thousand dollars in tax savings. Now, the con of that, though, is as an individual trader, if you start putting Schedule C, where the expenses are reported on your tax return, that increases your audit risk significantly. Uh, the number one audited item by the IRS is at Schedule C. Um, I've, been, I've been working in accounting for about 30 years, and almost every audit that I have seen and been involved with that involves that Schedule C on somebody's return. So what is the greatest risk? Is any time you put any kind of deduction that puts you at risk, or is it a specific type of deduction? It's not a specific type. It's any time you use that Schedule C. And okay. frankly, some people have Schedule Cs on their tax return for, let's say, a real estate business or uh, for consulting or selling things on eBay or whatever. But just the presence of that Schedule C kind of leads you open to IRS scrutiny. Okay. Now, if you own a trading business like, you know, Traders LLC and you just trade, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. um, do you still do an LLC or not an LLC? Do you still do a Schedule C? I mean, uh, well, it depends on the type of LLC you set up. Uh, there are two types of LLCs. There's a single-member LLC, which is set up with just one owner. 
in that case where there's just one owner, the information goes on the Schedule C of that person's tax return again. So you really, as for a single member LLC, you don't solve any problems and you don't fix anything. It really kind of for a trader, a single member LLC is, is kind of worthless. Okay. But if you form a multi-member LLC, then that becomes a partnership and the whole trading kit and caboodle moves off of the personal return onto a partnership tax return, which is a separate business return. And then it looks like to the IRS, it's really a legitimate business. Now, it's a pass-through entity. What that means is the income and the expenses still flow through back to the partners, but it flows through onto a Schedule E. It flows through in a much, much cleaner way than on the Schedule C. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm trying to be consistent with my questions and not jump around, but uh, okay. they're, they're coming to me specifically, so <laughs> here's how I'm going to do it. So I'm going back to the Forex part where we talked about income on the, the return. Okay. And so now I've really figured out that I could do income and I can even add deductions. So I'm mm -hmm. feeling pretty good about that. Uh, but the one question is, what if I don't make money? What if I lose money? Um, and that does that take away income? How does that work? Well, okay. What happens is you, if let's say you lost $5,000 trading Forex, uh, you still deduct that on your tax return on the other income line. So, um, <clears throat> instead of saying I had $5,000 of income in Forex, I had $5,000 in losses in Forex. And so that reduces eventually your W-2 income, your 1099 income, whatever. It's really kind of the top of the line. That's deduction. really simple. Yeah, it is. That's actually really it's simple. Extremely simple. And then, yeah. of course, you can still deduct any expenses if you meet the qualifications. Right. Okay, cool. All right. So now I want to talk about um, stock and options trading. So uh, what is the process for filing your taxes with the stock and options traders? Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. Stock and options traders uh, <clears throat> live in a different world, if you will. The When you buy or sell stock or options, you end up with capital gains rather than ordinary income. Now, Forex is ordinary income like W-2, 1099 R's, things like that. 
This becomes capital gains in stocks and options, which is a whole new creature. And it's kind of an isolated thing because if you're going to offset capital gains and you need to offset them with capital losses. And so they kind of live by themselves until they hit the tax return. And then there's some rules there. Um, if you sell a stock at a gain, then let's say you, you make $10 on the stock, then you have a $10 capital gain. If you sell a stock for, and lose $10, you have a $10 capital loss. It, it's really that the computation is not difficult. However, the IRS has placed some traps in there. As an ordinary investor, the if you sell something at a loss and you buy a security with the same ticker symbol. So, for example, if I, I sold a stock for ABC Company and lost $10. And within 30 days, I went and bought an option on ABC Company. Doesn't have to be the same stock. It can be anything under that ticker symbol. Then that loss of $10 that I had on the first sale moves. It actually goes to the second transaction. It's what's called a wash sale. And the IRS says anytime you buy a security after in, within 30 days of incurring a loss, then that loss moves to the, the next transaction. Now that sounds a little weird, but the reason they did that was at the end of the year, they didn't want people going on the last week of December and selling everything they had that were losses incurring the loss for the tax return, and then on the first week of January, going back and buying everything again, which is basically called loss harvesting. They didn't want people doing that, so they invoked this very weird system called the wash sale rule. And so now what we have set up are what are called deferred losses. And if you trade in stocks and options, your losses may get deferred down the road. Now, if they just get deferred a little bit in the year, not a big problem. But the problem is several thousand dollars may get deferred over the year. So you may end up paying taxes on stuff you actually lost money on, let's say in 2022, and the loss goes into 2023 where you hope to regain uh, the tax you paid in. All right. Well, that sounds like a nightmare. Um, and the reason I'm thinking that is because remember you said the trader status is 700 trades. If you trade something 700 times, how are you going to know what your washes are? Like that seems crazy. It seems to me it would be much easier to have, okay, I had a net gain of 5,000 or I had a net loss of 5,000. Absolutely. And a lot of people wish it worked like that. Um, the, the brokers generally keep track of the wash sales for you. That's one thing they do. However, their algorithms, everyone else, they're all different, slightly different from each other. Right. <laughs> well, even if a broker is keeping track of it, it's even got to be difficult for them because, I mean, the amount of pe depending on who the trader is, some of the, some of the people trade a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm sure you know if you see tax statements. I was, I was looking at somebody's statement, just a monthly statement uh, last night, and it was like 250 pages. Right. And that's just one month. So, you know, some of these traders, they, they really do a lot. And you, their year-end statement is well within the thousands of pages. So that can be, it can be nuts. Yeah. 
Okay. So then, um, how does that work? I'm still, I still don't track it because does that mean that you could be net profitable and not have any capital gains if you're doing these washes or could you have an actually a net loss and then have capital gains because it just doesn't. So it's not amount based on the a dollar amount. Yeah, exactly. Since it's a uh, loss deferral, we're, we're deferring losses. Theoretically, you could lose money this year and still have to pay taxes on gains because of the wash sale rule. Okay. Now, there's a way around it. Okay, yeah, just tell me that. I, we're gonna, <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure it out. I've got to ask you a lot more questions, and I don't know if I well, can. It is, it is nuts. It's, it's yeah. nuts. And yeah. some people are stuck with it um, for various reasons. Now, there is something called a mark-to-market election. And a lot of people get this confused with trader tax status. Going back, trader tax status is the ability to deduct expenses on your tax return. And we talked about the qualifications there. Mark-to-market deals with the revenue side, the gains and the loss is really the income side of the same. And if you make the mark-to-market election, then your account is does exactly what you mentioned a little bit ago, the simple way. You take the value of the account at the beginning of the year, the value at the end of the year. If you made money, that's if the account went up, that's what you pay tax on. If the account went down, you get to deduct it. It's really that simple. Now, you have to take into consideration also unrealized gains and unrealized losses because you do end up getting those in the computation as well. So it is possible if uh, you had a year where you had a lot of appreciation, let's say in, the, in December, you could end up paying more taxes than you would under a normal cash basis accounting. But that's rare from my experience. Okay. And how do you do that's mark to mark? And, and why would anyone do the other way if they can just do mark to mark? <clears throat> well, you asked two questions there. So let me address them both. First of all, how you do mark to market is you have to actually apply. This is one thing you have to apply with the IRS for. Um, now, for individuals and for existing entities, the uh, the uh, the election has to be done by the time the tax return is due for the previous year. So, for example, if I were going to do mark to market for myself, um, I could not do it right now because I would have had to do it for 2022 by April 18th of this year. That's when the tax returns were due this year. So the next time I can do it as an individual is to make that election by April 15th of next year, and it would be for 2023. Uh, I can't do it for 2022 anymore. Okay. So for partnerships uh, and S-corporations that file by March 15th, that election has to be done by March 15th of the year in which you're going to invoke it. So that's how it's done. Now, uh, the other question you asked, um, why would anybody do it the other way? Well, one, a couple of reasons. One, they don't know about it. Two, they don't understand it. Right. I had one client uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, I went and valued the account and put it on the tax return. And he said, I don't get it. What happens this with you know all kinds of things? 
And I tried to explain it to him and he, he couldn't grasp it and that's fine. And he said, well, no, I don't want to do mark to market. Let's revoke it and just go back to regular cash accounting. A third reason, and this has come up in quite a few areas. A third reason, if a person has a large amount of capital loss carry forward, they do not want to make the mark to market election. Because what happens with the mark to market election, you no longer have capital gains. You have ordinary gains, just like Forex. It looks like right. Forex. Right. Remember, I mentioned a little bit ago, capital gains can only be offset with capital losses. And capital losses can only be used up with capital gains. So if you go mark to market, all your gains are now ordinary gains. And if you've got, let's say, $500,000 capital loss carry forward, you have nothing to offset that. And so the IRS is going to limit you to $3,000 a year, which is going to take you about 230 years to actually write off. It doesn't work very well. Okay. So what we recommend to our clients who have a lot of capital gain loss carry for capital loss carry forwards is keep the capital gain structure, make some capital gains, use the capital losses up. And as soon as the capital losses are used up, because you really got tax free capital gains there. Once that's done, then make the mark to market election. Okay. Capital gains tax compared to income tax what are the the percent differences like what's the tax rate okay great question now there's two types of capital gains we're going to get a little bit more complex with this there are short-term capital gains and there's long-term capital gains short-term capital gains are for anything you hold less than a year which day traders right. people scalp you know uh, swing traders things like that they all fall into that the short-term capital gains rate are, are the same as the personal tax rates or the ordinary income rates. So, you know, you got your 22% tax bracket, your 35% tax bracket, 37% tax bracket, you know, just like anything else. Oh, okay. So capital gains tax doesn't work if you're a trader, no matter what. Right. You don't save anything on short-term. Now, for okay. long-term capital gains, anything you hold more than a year, and this is where we have to be careful, is the that maximum you can be taxed on long-term capital gains is 20%. Okay. All right. Ah, oh, so that makes sense. I think I'm tracking. So mark to mark is the way to go, unless you're going to hold long-term. Right. Now, let uh, me put a caveat yeah. in there. Okay. <laughs> because it, it really is complex, and it depends on the person's situation as right. to whether they make mark to market and actually – probably get into entity formation here in a little bit as well. But the you do not want to put long-term holdings or long-term assets underneath mark-to-market because otherwise you end up paying the gains on the appreciation, even though that's unrealized. So this is another reason for setting up maybe an entity and separating long-term capital assets from short-term capital assets and keeping them separate so we can okay. maximize the tax code. Yeah. So uh, I'll just throw this out there. A better way to do mark to market would be just do realized gains and losses and not worry about unrealized. Once you sell it, then you pay the tax. If, well, 
Yes, but under mark to market, it's not you don't consider each individual sale anymore like you do on a cash basis. You consider right. your portfolio portfolio value. Yeah. So technically, if you arrange everything so you you have sold all your stuff by the end of the year, then yes, it ends up being exactly the same. Yeah, and you could I mean if you you could, they could technically do that just kind of like, just go off of your realized gains. What were your realized gains for the year? I mean, yeah. that's, that's how I mentally, that's how I track my trading is mm -hmm. I don't keep track of the unrealized losses. I mean, I keep track of them, but I don't say, mm -hmm. or unrealized gains either. I don't say I made $8 million this year. If it hasn't been closed yet, you got to close the trade. Right. You know, <laughs> exactly. It can and change in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's that's great. But mark to market does consider that, so that's another reason to be careful with it. So you yeah, really just hold a bunch of losers in your account, no <laughs> you just go. for that reason. <laughs> just pick some stinker trades, and then yeah, and then yeah. But anyways, okay. So let's talk about um, futures. So futures. futures has a different rule. What? How does futures work? Futures uh, is something you do not want to make the mark-to-market election on. Uh, theoretically, well, it's still it's open for debate. Debate. It's a gray area. Let me put it that way. But ordinary, when you invest in futures, let's say you make a hundred dollars for the year in futures, that breaks up into two pieces. Uh, sixty percent of that, or sixty dollars, is going to become a long-term capital gain. And 40% or $40 in this case becomes a short-term capital gain. Now, why is that important? Well, the long-term capital gains rate, remember, is capped at 20%. So that $60 that you made of the $100, you're not going to be taxed more than 20% on that and probably even lower, uh, probably bound to 15 Now, the 40% short-term, that just go, that's normal short-term capital gains rates and that's anything. But it's that 60% you don't want to lose, which is extremely critical. Okay. So you have to divide your short-term versus your long-term? That's correct. Um, and actually, Form 6781 does that for you. If you do your own taxes and you put it on 6781, then you follow the instructions and you divide it. There's a, a formula there that you can divide it and it'll tell you where to take the two results. Okay. Um, so in, from a tax perspective, what do you think is better um, advantages? Which has better advantages? Is it uh, uh, futures or stock trading? Okay. I'm going to dance around your question here. Okay. <laughs> because if you look at that from stocks, just stocks and uh, options versus futures, then the better one tax-wise probably would be the futures. However, this gets into a problem, and I've seen this over the years where I've been doing this. People have to invest where they have the ability and the talent to invest. Right. Some people are fantastic traders at stocks or options. And they stink at futures. <laughs> yeah, don't go there just for tax some, reasons. Some people yeah. are opposite. Yeah. And so I, I don't want somebody saying, hey, you know, futures or commodities are better tax-wise. So let me jump into that and pour a whole bunch of money. And if they just don't have the knack for it, they lose all that money. And I, that's the one thing I don't want to see. 
so it really depends upon the individual's talent. And then, of course, we go across the other investments as well. People have talent with Forex or cryptocurrency or, or whatever. Right. And so you really have to go where you have the ability to trade. And that's where you want to put your energy. So um, what type of rules are in place for crypto traders? Crypto traders, uh, cryptocurrency, unfortunately, is handled rather like a uh, like a stock it, and instead of like Forex. I, it would be much, much easier and much, much better for everybody if uh, they would change that. So cryptocurrency was treated like Forex because it really is a crypto a, a currency exchange. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah, it is currency. I mean, I mean, it is. there's a big debate going on if it's a security or currency or commodity right now. Oh, uh, and yeah. no, I, I tend to think it's a currency because you're buying and selling and, you know, particularly but, since it's becoming more and more used in a right. lot of places. It, it right. really is a currency. But nevertheless, the IRS <laughs> still classifies it that if you sell, uh, if you buy, let's say, Ethereum. And you make $200 on it, that's a capital gain. Right. And if you sell at a loss, then that's going to be a capital loss. So it falls into the kind of the stock and option realm a little bit. However, it does not have the wash sales that the stock and options have. So it theoretically is possible to do the mark to market election on cryptocurrency. The only benefit, though, is it, since it doesn't have wash sales, cryptocurrency doesn't have wash sales, you're not avoiding anything there. It just gets you around the $3,000 loss limitation. Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading Podcast. I'm Louise Bedford, and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favorite podcast app. Or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading, this is how traders excel. Okay. All right. Well, that... that seems to make sense so you could basically go off your statement and just say oh look i made money this month and since it yeah. doesn't have the wash sale exactly that's pretty, and makes and it simpler most cryptocurrency brokers are now starting to issue statements that wasn't that way a couple of years ago it was a right. nightmare two years ago uh, but now they're starting to issue some form of state statement to show how much you've made during the year and whether it's short term or long term Okay, so they identify that on the statement, so that's really helpful. Now, um, as far as traders setting up um, trading businesses, uh, I know you'd mentioned it a little bit in mm -hmm. the beginning, and I have talked to a lot of people that have done so. Um, what are the specific, in your opinion, uh, reasons why someone would do that? If they're like, what's the, the bare minimum? for someone uh, to actually make that move? Um, that's another gray area. Generally, what we try to hold to are the trader tax um, status qualifications, the 700 trades per year, the four to six hours per day, and 75% of the trading days per year. If you're at that level and you have significant expenses 
then it's probably a good idea to go ahead and form some type of an entity, not a single member LLC, but something that's off your tax return. Right. Now, a multi-member LLC, or you could go straight to a corporation or S corporation. Um, because you've got to get that. The idea is to get it off your personal tax return. Is that because of audits? That is because of audits for one reason, but there are some additional benefits that you get uh, by getting that off your tax return. Um, as an individual trader, if you report uh, expenses on your Schedule C, theoretically, you can take a home office deduction. The problem with that is a home office deduction only comes off your tax return if you have a positive value on the Schedule C, if you made money on the Schedule C. But traders never have a positive value because the only thing on that Schedule C are expenses. Because the income is on Schedule D, the capital gains or ordinary gains. They're on another form. And so all you've got on the Schedule C is a negative number for expenses. And since it's negative, the home office deduction doesn't do you any good whatsoever. Hmm. However, if you get off and do the same thing in, let's say, a partnership return, you, know, you and your wife form a partnership or however it's done, and then those K-1s come back, doesn't matter whether you have a profit or loss, you can still take that home office deduction. And so that is, if you have a lot of expenses and if you have want to use a home office deduction, then forming an off-return entity is probably the best way to go. Yeah, and I think uh, there is a lot of expenses involved with trading, uh, like you said, office, equipment, computers, internet connection, office supplies, training, uh, subscription services, uh, if you're doing charting. I mean, there's a, there's a quite a bit of things and those can add up. So it would be great to be able mm -hmm. to get discount or uh, deductions on those. Right. And people often ask me, what are the cons of setting up an LLC or a corporation? Well, you do have an extra tax return that you've got to do each year. So if you do it yourself, you don't have that expense. If you have somebody else do it, then you're going to have that ex extra expense. Also, you have the LLC fee every year, and that may depend on what state you live in. Some states, your LLC fee every year is 25 bucks. Nothing. I mean, you sneeze that out. Um, other states, like California, is $800 a year. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. So, I mean, it depends on what state you live in as well as to the fee you're going to pay. But those are the two extra expenses that you would incur. But if you could save enough in taxes to offset that, then by all means, set that LLC up. Okay. Um, so then uh, this has been really great information, and I thank you for taking the time to answer these questions. Um, what is it that you guys – do for traders? What type of services do you guys provide? Okay. Usually at the, the first level, when people contact us, they're looking for information on taxes and trading. And so we provide a consulting service. Okay. Uh, we, we consult on taxes and we consult on uh, entity formation as to what type of entity would be best to form. Then, if they're interested, then we proceed and say, they might say, well, we want you to do our tax return now. Okay, well, and or we want you to set up an entity for us. We do both of those. We'll get the entity set up, usually setting up an entity. Uh, I've seen it done as quickly as two days. Um, usually, 
two to four weeks. State, some states get behind on this. Again, that depends on the state you live in. So we can get that done fairly rapidly. And then, of course, the tax returns. And then we have another service. Uh, it's a bookkeeping service to where um, our bookkeeper will take the statements, the bank statements and the, uh, the brokerage statements and then all your expenses that you may have paid out of pocket and combine, compile those into a uh, financial statement every month. Now, what's nice about that is that at the end of the year, you don't have to provide anything for your LLC. If we've done the books for it, it's been kept neat all through the year. And then we can take the bookkeeper statement at the end of the year and just prepare the tax return straight from that. Yeah, that's actually pretty nice. That saves on a lot of time. Um, and it also gives you information throughout the year. So you know how well your trading is going. You know how well your business is uh, really useful. Absolutely. Uh, and I like the point you said that it uh, keeps it up throughout the year. I've done tax returns for people. Matter of fact, I'm getting ready to do a 2020 tax return for somebody I know in Iowa. And he does this every year. Uh, it, we're 18 months behind the ball here. And to ask him any question about what happened 18 months ago. Right. It's just what I don't remember that. Yeah. But if you're in the same month, you can ask that question. Say, oh, yeah, I do remember that. It's much right. easier to recall. Yeah. 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 What about um, salary? Um, do you do traders using this type of thing? Would they pay themselves a salary from the business? Like, how does that work? Great question. Um, certainly as a, an individual trader, you would not do that. And as a multi-member LLC, which is really a partnership, you don't do that either because technically all the money is yours anyway. Okay. So you can pull it out, take it in however you want to. Uh, it's just, it, it's all yours. When you start getting into S corporations and C corporations, that's when we need to start talking about salaries. Now, now that you've brought that up, there is a reason that you may want salaries. I've had people uh, say, hey, I need a salary because I'm going to be getting a bank loan here in a right. few years. The only income I've got is this trading, and the bank's not going to consider that solid. So I need right. some type of W-2. So Okay, let's change it over to a S corporation. Let's get you on a salary so that you've got a solid W-2 coming out of there and you're good. Um, the other th reason for doing that, and this is something that most people don't realize, is that if trading income, capital gains or ordinary gains, it doesn't matter whether it's mark to market or not, you cannot use that to create a retirement account. You can make $5 million in capital gains, and you can't put one dime of it into a retirement. You can't even do that on your tax return. It has to be earned income. Right. And so what we have to do is we have to say, okay, you've got this partnership now. If you're interested in setting up retirement accounts, then we're going to file an election with the IRS to convert to an S corporation. Now, an S corporation works a lot like a partnership. There's a few differences. Still a pass-through entity, but you're required to pay yourself a salary. And then when the S corporation pays that salary to you, then you can use that salary to set up a 401k or some other retirement plan. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Now, if um, if we hire you to do our taxes, is that a deductible expense? 
Yes, it is. The business portion will be deductible. Of course, it depends on whether you're an in individual trader or not. See, as a if you are an individual trader and deducting expenses on your Schedule C, then more than likely we're not going to be able to deduct that. However, if you form an off tax return entity like a partnership as corporation, then the fees for that entity to get the tax returns done definitely are deductible. Okay, well, that's great. Uh, good information. So uh, thank you for being on the show, Jerry. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. And Jerry's website is tradersaccounting.com. So if you, for everyone that's listening, if you guys have any tax questions, they'll do consultations. If you need to get a trading business set up, they'll do that for you and they'll do your taxes or bookkeeping. So I think it would be really beneficial if you ever have any tax questions at all to go over to tradersaccounting.com and check them out. And really, you know what I think is great about this, Jerry, is that most accountants probably know a little bit about how to do trading taxes, but most of them don't. So you're like one of the only ones that actually knows how to do things for traders. And that is really valuable. You are correct in that because I find I've talked to a lot of people during the week and I'm constantly hearing, well, I talked to my local CPA about this and his eyes glazed over. Right. Or she didn't know how to handle this. So she referred us to you or whatever. So Accounting and taxation, frankly, is becoming a very specialized field. Uh, we specialize, obviously, in traders. I was uh, listening to something yesterday about uh, specialization in real estate and capital leases, where that's a whole new thing. Uh, so it, it, taxation is becoming very specialized. So you really need to go somewhere that with somebody that understands what you're doing. I see. Yep. Well, so that's it the tradersaccounting.com the link will be in the description everyone thank you all for listening thank you jerry for being on the show and we will see you guys on the next episode of the how to trade it podcast thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of how to trade it with casey stubbs we hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring remember the road to trading mastery is a continuous one and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.